Cleveland's got five prospects in the top 100, and four of them are shortstops. I got Jeff from Locked On Guardians to hop on and talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated, and thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And we're talking Cleveland Guardians today. Uh, Pick to finish third in the Central. Uh, I had Jeff from Locked On Guardians on the show. We talked about, uh, obviously, the, the top prospects. A bunch of them are shortstops. We talked about the outlook for the season, as well as the Jose Ramirez question. Yes, that one. You know what I'm asking about. Check it out. Lindsey Crosby of Locked On Movie Prospects. Jeff Ellis of Locked On Guardians. Here to talk all things Cleveland Guardians. Jeff, how you doing, man? You know, I'm... Uh, I don't know if I want to say I'm doing well. If I'm, I, I would say right now, uh, my feeling would be uh, nervous anticipation. Um, yeah, you know, we were talking a little bit beforehand. I'm, you know, I didn't mention my age, but I'm 40. I'm a 40-year-old dude here. And in my lifetime... The only like multi-time all-star that this team really kept through their prime was Omar Vizquel. One can make a case for Kenny Lofton, but they traded him away before re-signing him. So, you know, if everything going on with JRAM, it's it's honestly something that I've never experienced. I'm used to Hall of Famers leaving. I'm used to Tommy <laughs> Ramirez. You know, people forget how good Albert Bell was. He had a degenerative hip where he'd probably be have made it impossible for him to not have been in the Hall of Fame. Like he was yeah. I mean, the dude walked more than he struck out while hitting 50 home runs. That just doesn't happen anymore. But I, I mean, I've seen all of them go. The Lindors. Uh, it's it's ever, And then, like, the only other guy who didn't leave was Grady Sizemore. And that's because he's, like, one of the last guys, one of, like, five guys in the last decade. It's, like, him and Braden Webb that were, like, excellent players who injuries ended their career. We just don't see it very often. But, yeah, no, I'm... I'm optimistic. I'll put it that way. There you go. I I turned on the Jeff Passan uh, t- Twitter notifications. If we get an extension or or trade during this pod, everybody's going to get a live reaction. But let's. So I'm going to save that to the very end, just in case I have more time for news to break. But um, you know, one of the things that I've obviously paid a lot of attention to is the prospects in this system, and like what I love about. The Guardians is they've got five guys in the top 100. Um, how excited are our Guardians fans for for these five guys? And kind of what's the chatter from the fan base about you know uh, a Tyler Freeman, a Daniel Espino, or Brian Rocchio? Like, so it's you know it kind of goes around. It is it's interesting um, because none of them are you know the quote unquote top end guys in this whole mm-hmm. system. You know, I, I we had our, our round table for the AL Central and I went to bat that the Guardians have the top farm system in the Central uh, and almost got laughed out of the, the, the meeting. But I was like, guys, Detroit's got about five prospects deep. The top two is amazing, but there's not depth in Kansas City. I'm still not sold on all those pitchers and the twins. It's like, I mean, they've had a lot of first rounders that haven't worked out and they look at the Guardians and you can look at I mean, some places have Cody Morris is like uh, in the late teens and like. Cody Morris, if he was healthy, could step into the bullpen tomorrow and be their third best reliever. And he's in the late teens and he could start. Now, I've talked about he's lower because of health, but that's what I really like about the system. It's there's just the downside. You know, we've talked about the 40 man mess uh, probably so many times. My listeners are sick of hearing about it. 
But like, I mean, they got to give these players opportunities. And it looks like, you know, I gave him a hard time about Gabriel. Uh, I'm going to say his name right for once. Uh, any listeners of my podcast uh, know I'm a butcher of names. Arias, uh, you know, he he got sent down and he's clearly the best defensive shortstop they have. But as long as they're going to play Jimenez, like, I mean, he was the centerpiece of the Lindor deal. It's not like he is a, a terrible choice. It's not all about money there. Steve Kwan looks like he's going to break camp mm-hmm. and he's the, you know, the dark horse rookie of the year candidate, in my opinion, which again, when I brought that up in the AL Central one, we're talking about Bobby Witt and Riley Pint or yeah, no, not Riley Pint. Riley, Riley Green is the Rockies uh, pitcher who just came back after a short <laughs> retirement. Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson. I mean, even the twins are like, you know, we got Royce Lewis who could come. It's like, uh, but I was like, I mean, Quan, we'll have to see. Now, uh, any of my longtime listeners know, like, I am the lowest of the low on Ty Freeman. Um, I, it's not my profile. It's the same reason I'm not as high on Owen Miller. It's the same reason. Uh, I was like, let's trade Francisco Mejia tomorrow. Uh, right. I don't, I don't like contact profiles. I don't like anyone. This is just my personal thing. I don't like anyone where it's like, oh, they've got a plus hit tool because a decade of doing this has shown me that uh, everyone is just uh, awful. You know, these are, these are family friendly podcasts, so I won't use nasty words, <laughs> but, but we're bad at it. We are just as a community of evaluators hit tool is not judged correctly i think we're getting better we're getting more data that works but i always bring up on my podcast the indians drafted tyler naquin quote unquote the best hit tool in the draft class by baseball america and jim callis now i've talked about many times i think jim callis is as good as it gets he's like one of the people who made me care about prospects so i'm not saying that to to rag on him i'm just saying that's you know he is really good and he labeled him that uh and then you go a few years later bradley zimmer it's exact same thing and again, it's not to rag on anyone like these are like Callis is much better than I am. I don't want mm-hmm. anyone to ever think I'm not even approaching his stratosphere. But when someone who is that good can make that statement and then it's not dead on, it just kind of shows that like we don't judge. And it's like even you fast forward to now, it's like we should have known Bradley Zimmer had a terrible hit tool. He was playing for the University of San Francisco Friars and striking out 30 percent of the time. But we're we're growing and we're advancing. So yeah, as a Freeman guy, I mean, maybe I, I'm. I'm going against grain. I know with a lot of people who just see the, the great contact, we've had two labrum injuries in two years. And then I need, I need more. I need power. I need walks. I need something other than contact. So, uh, you know, it, it, Brian Rocchio, I was low on and he has proven me wrong. That's definitely a humble pie. Eat crow. I was hundred percent wrong <laughs> on him. Uh, Valera, I think is the one who gets most people most excited mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, you hate to, to say it's like he's the most interesting hitting prospect since Manny Ramirez, but like that is coming up with people. Uh, I also think that's like not, a, a, I also don't like that statement because I'm like, people, you're really short selling how good Grady Sizemore was. And when they acquired him, he was still an A prospect from the Expos. It wasn't like he was a, a guy who was in the upper minors. Uh, and then Espino. Okay. I've been low on Espino. Mm-hmm. And my, I want to hear this. I want to hear why. Thing, from the minute he was drafted, I'm like, he's going to get hurt at some point. Like that build, that velocity, he is going to get hurt. And then the control issues. And I, I was like, he is going to be a potentially dynamic multi-inning reliever, but I don't think he can hold up. Now, you know, I, I read the piece by Eric Longenhagen, this piece about how he's a unicorn and essentially saying like what he saw, um, Espino could pitch in the majors this year. You know, he was like, he could help this team by midseason. Now, it also got in my head. I'm like, I don't know, as we evolve in, in prospect, I'm probably talking too much. But, like, in the prospect game, it's like a decade ago, we had, like, 
Jabba Chamberlain, maybe it was two decades ago. Like, are pitchers going to allow themselves to enter that role? Like, they have to know if you go from a starter to a reliever, you're giving up tens of millions of dollars. Is there any pitcher who's going to, like, not fight that tooth and nail anymore? Like, with the Guardians, I mentioned Francisco Mejia. Like, he fought tooth and nail to not get moved off of catcher because he knew that would be a, a more valuable position with his, uh, his outcomes. So, you know, I, I still... I'm Lauren Espino. He's probably like, if I were to really sit down and hammer out mine, he's probably somewhere like four or five mm-hmm. in the system for me. Cause I still think there's just, he's a high, high risk and it's, it's a non-traditional build. And I know the third pitch, like it, it's interesting how I'll read one report and someone's like, it's above average. And I'll read another report and they'll say it's in its nascent beginning stages. So it's, I, I don't know if it's just seeing not consistently or what's going on, but I mean, the reports of the control is better. The velocity has stayed the same. Uh, that was really, really interesting in the long and hanging piece. They talked about he is, he does like f- uh, four sets of stretching exercises a day. Like a big part of what he does to not get hurt is like flexibility. And I've spent probably close to a decade uh, preaching about like athleticism at the pitching position to stay healthy. Uh, that it's like one of the most underrated things. Like we think of, Oh, pitchers don't need to be athletes, but the, a lot of the guys who are athletes tend to stay healthier. So I was like, well, that's that's an important thing to see with Espino, but I I'm still not 100 percent sold personally. I think like Valera to me is is clearly the top prospect in this system. I think you probably I would consider Rokio two, uh, Arias three, and then probably like Espino is four. So I'm I'm a little bit against the crowd, honestly. I mean it it really I mean I would put Nolan Jones ahead of Ty Freeman at this point in time. I would put a few guys. You know, I think Lavastida is probably a top ten prospect for them. So I, I'm a little bit different. You know I I have talked about that on the show. I don't, I don't look at things the same way. Yeah. And, and you know, the thing with the Spino, it's, I, I totally see the variance in the projections and it's because I think part of it is, is him. So his approach, he knows he has a very good fastball and then he's got other pitches that are in varying states of, of development. And it feels like all he knows how to do right now is, get you to chase. He sets you up with the fastballs and then he gets you to chase something away. And I feel like he needs to work on that. And then, like you said, the physical concerns, he's not the same size, but I think about a guy like a Tim Lincecum who, you know, has a, like a, like a max effort delivery, throwing a ton of velocity and just, can he stay healthy and can he do it for a long period of time? And, and I don't necessarily know if Espino's that guy, but, uh, the rankings are interesting. Tim Lincecum. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. Because uh, the year before he was a top 10 pick, they they drafted and made a hard run at him. But yeah, former Indians, uh, Guardians, Indians draft pick. I don't think I realized him. that. It was in like the 40s. It was one of the, like they, uh, they actually made a run at him. It was before the current slotting system. So they could, like they tried. They made a, he's one of like, there's some guys like, um, you know, I, um, why am I blanking on the center fielder from Tampa who ended up not being what everyone thought he was going to be many years ago. But there's a whole bunch of guys that like, they didn't, you know, Max Muncy, they drafted him, uh, mm-hmm. but they didn't really make a run at him. They made a run at Lincecum. They just failed. And in just a second, I do kind of want to talk about uh, some of the guys who they did get on the, on the team and are part of this roster. But first today's episode is brought to you by our friends at bet online. Uh, after months of playing, college basketball has finally picked the, the final four teams and will determine this, like the national champion, this upcoming week. And BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs, for all your sports info, from the odds, contest, player props. 
it's you know it's all there they're your best spot for all sports developments and it's not just basketball if you're not a college basketball fan professional basketball is going on uh, they also have hockey they have baseball stuff is out now we keep getting emails every day about um, player props yeah <laughs> you know who's gonna hit the most home runs um, you know comeback player all that kind of stuff so head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because bet online is where the game starts and like the thing that I don't understand or know about, I guess, about this Guardians team is how much help are they going to get from the farm system this year? Because you look at all these top prospects and it's like Tyler Freeman's a guy everybody thinks is going to come up, you know, and play second base around the all-star break. Uh, you know, you have a guy like Rokio. He's going to start off in AAA. They may call him up in 23. It may call him up late, late this year. And I just, I don't quite know how much help they're going to get. And I, some of the projections out there, and I want to get your input on this, some of the projections kind of have uh, Cleveland somewhere around 78 or 79 wins and probably coming in third in the division behind the White Sox and the Twins. So I think, you know, I think that personally, I think it's going to go White Sox, Tigers. I still don't buy the Twins pitching, but I think mm -hmm. that I think the Guardians are going to essentially be where they were last year, right around 500. They didn't right. lose anything, and that 500 team only had 16 starts to Shane Bieber. Aaron Savali missed two months. Zach Plesak missed a month and a half. Tristan McKenzie had to go to the minors because he was leading the majors in walk rate. He was so ineffective. Cal Quantrell wasn't a starter. They added Miles Straw. They get a full season there. And their number two hitter a year ago, Franmil Reyes, also missed a month and a half. So it was a team that was really beat up. They didn't lose anything. I mean, Blake Parker is probably the biggest loss they had. And he just signed as a non-roster invitee with the Cardinals to camp. So it's not like it was a huge loss. You're hoping that like Steve Kwan, who, you know, you know, Saros called him the dark horse rookie of the year. Mm -hmm. who's really highly rated in the, um, in Keith Law's ranks and in um, the zips projection system. Like zips has him at a projected, like runs created plus of over a one ten. Oh, wow. Phenomenal. Like, I mean, they're the projection systems love him. So if he steps up, I mean, that's a massive improvement over I mean, Bradley Zimmer, who started a ton of games out there. Um, the, just the revolving door of outfield mess. I mean, Josh Naylor, if he's healthy, is is interesting, but like he's never been productive yet. Like he's had operative, you know, I, I, a lot of fans get mad at me and they're like, well, he was turning a corner here in Cleveland. I'm like, well, he didn't turn that corner in San Diego. He hadn't turned it here yet. He was still below league average production. So we'll see. But I, they, I am curious to see. It's like, I think, you know, Freeman with the labrum could be delayed. I, mm -hmm. I don't think, but probably is delayed. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Rokio might pass him. But if Jimenez is playing well, it's like he's there. Uh, you know, Arias, what do you do with him? He's ahead of both of them in the pecking order. Uh, at some point, do you like it? Just you're setting up all these shortstop prospects and people don't want to trade any of them. But it's like, if, if Jimenez nails down that position, you have to consider it. It's like you went out and and he, he gets left as roadkill in a lot of people's projections. And it's mm -hmm. like two years ago for the Mets, he was, uh, you know, above a league average bat and a plus defender. And he's super young. He was one of the top 10 prospects in all of baseball. And he's a higher rated prospect than anyone in the Cleveland system currently is. And it's not to say that they're not good prospects, but – uh, yeah, I'm just curious to see how they'll work. And again, I, you know, Nolan Jones, people, 
leave for dead, uh, which is apparently going to be my expression for this podcast I get one stuck in my head and keep going back to it. But he was just hurt at so many points last year. And he moved very quickly through the, the minors. He's probably going to be a platoon bat, but he looks like the heir apparent to Russ Brannion. Like, I mean, Russ Brannion came up in the guardian system in the late nineties and mm-hmm. it was, uh, you know, that's back before we had on base is really something we were using. It's like nowadays, Russ Brannion would have been an everyday player instead of what he was. It's like Jones's power potential. He's probably never going to hit lefties, but uh, you could put him as an interesting platoon uh, at first base or something. So they, they're going to have to play the young players and having missed out on all of the big trades, you know, basically it comes down to if they do keep J-Ram, you know, we're sitting here, what, 8-4 control. Uh, I'll throw a timestamp in. Nothing's official yet. If that contract goes through, it's kind of like play it to the deadline and see what you can get, see who maybe comes available and use this depth to go get someone. Uh, you know, it's a personally – Everything is so toxic with this fan base and the ownership situation. I would love to go see them add like Trey Mancini, even though he's just a rental because you're going and like literally getting the best story in baseball, like one of the least toxic, maybe the least toxic potential anything. Like it just, he's, I mean, the dude beat cancer. It's a great story. Yeah. It's like, if you're going to go pay overpay for someone for a rental, if they're playing well, it's like, go get him. Like go do even more. Cause I would love to see the city embrace this team. Uh, you know, right now the football team is really divided people. And I know, you know, I get all these comments about the baseball team is divided people because of the the name change, but the football team is, is doing it. And the basketball team is fun, but they've definitely faded hard of late. So uh, yeah, it's really a chance for the baseball team to step in right now and be a source of positivity when people are like, Oh man, the Cavs were fun, but now they're beat up and they're you know, in the play in instead of in the playoffs and the football team with their situation, <laughs> we do not need to dive into, but it is enough to have a lot of people very upset. So it's, it's really a chance to dive in and have a positive narrative starting with J-Ram and then just go out and add something, do something, show that you are not, that you have been playing dead and you're not actually dead. Yeah, and and for me, I'm just going to, like, no matter what happens, I get to watch these five pitchers and I get to watch Emmanuel Clays. And he's a guy that I thoroughly enjoy watching pitch. Um, he's a guy, I mean, it, you see him on Pitching Ninja every single week. He's out there doing great stuff. So either way, going to be a fun team to watch, no matter what they do with the prospects. And like you said, so many shortstops. You have to think some of them are going to get moved, either in deals or positions. I see, um, you know, something like Arias going to third. I see Valera being like a right fielder or something. Um, but definitely a lot of of young talent and I have a like a saying on my show that that depth will always work itself out. Like you can never have too much talent uh, because somebody will get hurt, somebody will be ineffective. You will always have a chance eventually to to um, to let it sort itself out and let it play. But uh, Cleveland is really putting that to the test with some of these infield prospects. No, one hundred percent. They got. I mean, they. I'm glad that Ahmed Rosario is playing left field now. Finally, it's, it drives me nuts. Two years in a row, they've waited so long to try him out there because you know he's not a good defender. But like, it's even beyond that. They just need to give have open positions to try these young kids out. Yeah, uh, and in just a minute, we're gonna finally have to have the JRAM conversation. Uh, but first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Uh, we are. Passing spring break, we are on our way to the summer. So if you are trying to, you know, to exercise to get in better shape, um, 
Swap your candy bars for Built Bars. It's the only protein bar. It's covered in 100% real chocolate. It tastes like a candy bar. Uh, all, all Built Bars are 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 net carbs. So uh, go out, go to Built.com, check out the list of all of the flavors. Jeff, I know you eat Built Bars all the time. What are your favorite flavors of Built Bars? Uh, I've always liked the puffs, but I'm a marshmallow person. Like right now, the churro puff, like I, I don't uh, have it open. I can tell you the churro puff was one of the favorites. They just did like a, 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 I mean, they do fun things like they did shamrock shake in March for a time. Like that, that went quick. Banana yeah. bread sold out quick. Uh, today for lunch, I had the equivalent, their white chocolate, which is like the Oreo. And then I had the, uh, the eggnog, which is, was a seasonal flavor. Uh, I, I have an account, you know, use that locked 15. I always tell my listeners locked 15 saves you 15%. And then you start building up built blocks. So I do, I order like three boxes at a time and right. I start building up my built box. So I'm like saving five bucks for my built box, 15% from the code. And yeah, I've been using this product for uh, th- almost three years now and I, I never grow tired. There you go. So built.com promo code locked 15 for 15% off order. That's promo code locked 15 at built.com. And all right, it is 8.52 Central on Wednesday, March 30th. I just checked Twitter. Uh, there has been no Jose Ramirez extension or trade. So um, I guess we have to talk about it. Uh, the, his current deal, 11 million AAV uh, in 2022, 13 million in 2023 on a club option. And if both of those are exercise, you know, if this year and the club option goes through, he would hit free agency in 2024 at age 31. And a lot of the reports that I saw when I wrote this show up yesterday was they had been discussing not necessarily exact contract figures, but more of comparable players to help figure out a framework. And it feels like it's really tough to figure out who's a good comp for Jose Ramirez. Cause he does so many things that a lot of other players don't do, especially in the, at their base. He's just, he's a complete player. Um, you know, he's got the third highest war since 2017 in the big leagues behind Mookie Betts and Mike Trout, of course. I've heard they are good. Yeah, I understand they're pretty decent um, players. And then, but, he, you know, and, and with both of those players, it's the same story, right? Like they are every facet of the game. And that's what Ramirez is. He's like probably one of the five best base runners in baseball. Like he gets first to third as well as anyone. He is, you know, he he, he is an excellent base runner. He's smart. He always seems to do the right thing. And his defense last year was the best it's been at third base. Mm-hmm. So you look at that. And it's funny to me how often I have to fight this. Like people want to tell me he's not the best third baseman in baseball or that he is like even not even top three. And I'm like, you're, you're insane. I do understand. Like if you want to look at just offensive production, I think his runs created plus in that same period is merely the 15th best in baseball. So he has the third best war that is help supported. Thanks to his defense and excellent base running. Uh, his bat is only like the 15th best in all of baseball in that time, but yeah. you know, Four $11 million. Yeah. It's, you know, he, it was three and a half Max Scherzer's. Sorry. It, it was just an interesting deal. Like it's the same thing happened with Michael Brantley. Like I remember sitting there writing an article about why do they extend Michael Brantley? Like he is so utterly replaceable and they signed that extension. And then Michael Brantley became Michael Brantley literally that year after they signed the extension and they had him in this sweetheart deal. Uh, that's, that's where they are with Jose Ramirez. He, this was all before he was Jose Ramirez perennial top five MVP candidate. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's an amazing deal. And I'll be cur- like, I think the nice thing about Jose, Jose knows himself. Like I remember covering the minors 
And I always tell this story and I don't mean it is like a negative on Jose, but it's just Jose being Jose. It's like he would have, you know, they would try to get all the players to do like English language lessons just for dealing with media and everything else. And Jose would have his own separate time. Uh, and Jose didn't always show up for his time because Jose had better things to worry about, like baseball. Like, he's like, if I'm good enough, I'll find a way to communicate. I'm going to yeah. focus in on my game. And that's just, that is Jose. And it's not like, again, that's not to like knock him. He had a, a central focus and that was baseball. And he's really good at it for that reason. Uh, you know, he, he, he made the right call. There's no doubt about it. And he's just been his own personality all the way coming up. I do have to laugh. There's so many fan bases that want him so badly. Uh, I've gotten a lot of angry uh, Twitter combos. And I mean, even in the now, I saw someone tweeting out like a Blue Jays account, like, well, maybe they'll just sign him to an extension so he's easier to trade. I'm like, what? No, that's not how this works. This, If he signs this extension, he's going to... He's not leaving. He's not leaving. This is a to stay there forever and to essentially end up, you know, one of the top three hitters. It's always hard because, you know, it's like you got Tris Speaker and Nap Lajoie and those like early 1900s guys. But if you want to talk about like in the modern era, uh, when it's all said and done, he's probably gonna be the top hitter in the modern era in the history of this franchise. Yeah. And when I was looking at like a what a framework for that kind of extension would be, because I'm just going to work off of he's getting re-signed versus he's going to be trade. Let's not be negative about it. But my thought process, the two guys that I thought about when you look at age, you look at production and he's. He's better than them, but like the George Springer deal, six years, 150 million. And then Marcus Simeon, like seven years, 175. And the question I have when I look at that framework is like, I don't know if Cleveland pays that because the largest individual guarantee in team history was $60 million. And so if that's what it takes to re-sign Jose Ramirez, does Cleveland do it? So the, the one advantage that they have over those is, you know, those are both the free agent deals and uh, yeah. anything they give Jose is buying out those two cheap years. And then honestly, like um, it's ownership isn't going to be here long. Uh, we all know that they've looked for minority ownership that uh, not part of owner. I mean, part of the team is essentially sitting there and I'm thinking the word arbitration and I can never remember this word where it just sits to the side in like a little area. Uh, the part that was owned by the the now uh, man, I'm having an evening yeah. of blanking. The owner of the Royals who used to own it, they put it over here to the side and like, okay, you're thirty percent. It's like an escrow. Escrow, yes, essentially. So it's it's. I'm like a banker. There. Right? <laughs> okay, thank you. I cannot, but yeah, it's just there, and uh, they're gonna it, this new ownership. If it, it hasn't been finalized, we're all it, the talk is that anyone who buys a team is going to take over in five years. So if you're Dolan, it's like, hey, I can get all the positive publicity of this. I can backload the heck out of this contract. I can put, you know, I can make Bobby Bade- Bobby Bonilla Day seem like a joke. <laughs> no, it's like Jose Ramirez is going to be getting like five million a year for the next 50 years or something like that on like Jose Ramirez Day. Uh, it's going to be like that. It's going to be a lot of deferred money. I guarantee you it's going to be backloaded uh, and it's going to all be set up. So it's that uh in it's the, the next owners, guy's problem yeah it's the next guy's problem and the and the next guy's whoever it is is going to be someone who because okay i was the biggest supporter of the dolans for a long time like i literally wrote a piece that appeared on the dolans owned sports illust or not uh, sports time ohio site like they had a their own web page was like we need to talk about your lack of attendance and it was me just talking about why it's ridiculous and no one goes to games uh and I was that person. Like I was waving the flag. I can't be anymore. Now it's like the complaints about how 
much this team loses just doesn't work when uh, he's going to sell this team after owning it for 20 years and make a billion dollars profit or that when he sold that cable network, he got a bad yearly contract, but he also got, I think a hundred million as a, just a signing bonus for selling mm-hmm. the TV contract. Like there's all these little things where he has made so much money off the team. And then you talk about like, enjoy him when people ask about Lindor or, you know, our best fans buy luxury boxes. It's, I understand why there is such negativity. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to an ownership change. I just hope they keep their front office in place. Cause I think anyone who's intelligent knows that the best thing that Dolan has done is just let smart people stay there and get the heck out of the way. That's why they didn't lose, you know, uh, I'm going to not, that's why they didn't lose Chernoff to the Mets. Right. And, you know, mm-hmm. I get the guy it's, he's, he was a Mets fan growing up. He was a very smart person, but it's nice being in Cleveland and knowing that you get to do your job and oversight is low and you can be comfortable. So I think that is the best thing that they do. And I'm hoping that it seems like this new ownership group, that's their MO to begin with. So I think, I think they will do it. And I think again, this way he, for someone like the Dolans, they get the best of all worlds. They get to sign this contract that no one thinks they would do. And then you don't have to pay for most of it. There you go. All right. So if folks who listen to my show want more information about the guardians, want to know more about that, that ownership change or an extension or all of that, where can they find you and follow you? Uh, so I'm pretty easy. It's just Jeff MLB draft. Uh, for those who don't know me, before I uh, got this gig, I was the lead draft and prospect analyst for 24-7 and then scout before that. Uh, 24-7 bot scout and then 24-7 got rid of baseball. So that's kind of my <laughs> project. I actually replaced Kylie at scout back in the day. That's that's uh, that's uh, the shoes I had to fill. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, I still do a lot of draft stuff as well. Um, I'm sure I'm hoping. I don't know if they talked to you. This is just, you know, last year we did a draft show. So hopefully we can figure that out and do We are doing a draft show this year. Because I'm totally up for that. We did a whole, like, we did about 28 picks. But I was like, okay, uh, we'll keep going. It was a lot of fun to do and uh, something I look forward to doing yet again. And for folks listening to to Locked On Guardians, I'm Lindsey Crosby from Locked On MLB Prospects. You can follow me on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Farm and subscribe to Locked On Pod uh, to Locked On MLB Prospects wherever you get your podcasts. Jeff, thanks a lot for coming on. I really appreciate it. I know. Thanks for coming on and chatting. I'm sure we'll do some more stuff as uh, draft season gets deeper. It's a interesting year, and I know we've had a lot of DMs already about some fun stuff. So there's that for both both listening bases to look forward to. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Um.